What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think again, my friend. It's Think Again, my friend, the show where we ask each other questions and seek answers. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbay. I just made that sound very, very serious. Uh, would the panelists introduce themselves uh, starting to my left? My name is Brendan Atkins, and I am serious as a disease. <laughs> my name is Kristen McCurdy, and I'm now more than 50% likely over the course of this podcast to collapse or faint. As from surprise, excitement, or exhaustion. Is there a word for that, Kristen? Plots. Nice. With a Z. Yeah. With a Z. It's not, it's... Yiddish? It's Yiddish, yeah. Uh, I'm Tom Henderson, and I can't follow that. (laughs) It's hard to follow it when somebody plotses. Uh... (laughs) Wait, I thought you meant you didn't understand. (laughs) <laughs> I can explain. We can do this again. It's probably both. <laughs> it is definitely both. Which leads me to our first question. The 1980s television show Max Headroom had one season and retooled itself and talked publicly about the retooling that it did very briefly in one sentence. What did they claim in like multiple, I believe even in ads in TV Guide, what did they claim was different in season two? Anyone at all? Uh, uh, this time we have a plot? Isn't that the joke? No, plots were easier to follow. <laughs> <laughs> they literally just came out and said that. And you watch the first season of Max Headroom now, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah, Everything this is the was MTV a lot generation. harder to follow in the 80s, though. That's, that's true. Yeah, I mean, true. to be fair. <laughs> all right, Brendan. Uh, I've got a question. Uh, so it's about a book. According to the author, Christopher Booker, who's a journalist, editor, and writer of the book, many books, including the book The Seven Basic Plots. He is one who books. Yes. <laughs> you could say so. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to go around the room, and I'm going to ask you to name each one of the seven basic plots, starting with Mike. Uh, I'm spoiled on one of these, uh, so I'll just say it. Comedy. That's correct. All right. Comedy's not a the comedy, to be clear. <laughs> what? As in, like, the Shakespearean comedy. Is oh, okay. It ends with the okay. wedding. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't know Apparently it is one of the seven bits. It it's also the like wedding. the Greek, like, it's a Greek archetype. It goes yeah. way back. Mm-hmm. Tom, do you have a, an example uh, of a plot? Uh, the, the, the quest. You, you gotta go get a thing and bring back the thing. Uh, I'm gonna count that as overcoming the monster, Ooh. which is one of the plots he lists in the book. Hmm. Kristen, you got one? Uh... See, I looked up the 36 basic plots, so I'm just going to name one of those. Uh, Obstacle Between Lovers. That is not listed in the seven basic plots. I'm sorry, it's too advanced. <laughs> Mike, can you give me another one? Uh, one a dumber one. <laughs> a dumber one? <laughs> um, hero's Journey? No. Okay. We already did Overcoming the Monster. That's true. Well, okay, okay. Voyage and Return is one of the plots. I'll oh. count that. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, you got one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a sailor, right? And when he eats spinach or another leafy green, he becomes very strong and can overcome his enemies. Yes, Popeye is one of the seven basic <laughs> plots listed in this 728-page book, by the way. It's like a Bible. I went to it for like, I'm going to just find the chapter headings. 
find out what these basic plots are. Hint, there aren't seven chapter headings. <laughs> you got to flip through a lot, and then you got to look at the cover where they're all listed. This does not sound basic at all. <laughs> it's basic as in, like, like a basic B word. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I mean, it's arc. Whatever. I mean, some of that stuff is very complicated. I just don't even feel like finishing a sentence about that book. <laughs> Do you have another one, Kristen? Can you give me one more guess? Uh, um, tra- tragedy. That's correct. Woo! Yeah. Everybody gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> the good kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other ones that were listed are Rags to Riches, uh, Rebirth, and uh, what is the last one? I think I actually forgot to write it down. <laughs> the Quest. The Quest. Mm. I withdraw all my objections. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back to this book in a future question. You know, I feel like I needed something, and then I overcame an obstacle in order to get what I needed. That makes you a hero, Tom. I know. (laughs) Kristen, do you have a question? I do have a question. I would love to hear it. Who said, women don't need to make the journey? In the whole mythological journey, the woman is there. All she has to do is realize she's the place that people are trying to get to. Was it A, screenwriting guru Robert McKee, B, Joseph Campbell, C, George Lucas, D, screenwriting guru Christopher Vogler? I'd like to I'd like to submit an answer. Uh, I was actually just going to go with some jerk off, uh, but I'm going to go with. (laughs) Uh, Campbell guy. That's completely B. fair. Um, Mike? Okay. Um, it's hard to say. Like, I want to say because he, ch- because he name checks Journey so casually, I do want to say Campbell as well. But really, that could be any of them. I'm going to go with McKee. I'm, I'm just picturing George Lucas saying that in his George Lucas voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then announcing that in space you would get strangled by your bra. So right. I have to go with him. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think all those answers are fair. Uh, The accurate answer is Joseph Campbell. Um, This was Campbell's response to a female student's question about women and the hero's journey. Um, George Lucas, of course, was inspired by Campbell, and Vogler was a development executive uh, whose 1985 memo on the hero's journey helped popularize that idea and that structure in screenwriting um, and in screen development and screen, you know, screenplay purchasing. Um, but he, he went on to become a screenwriting guru. It's very similar to Robert McKee. Like you can still take his master classes online. Um, and the student, uh, incidentally was named Maureen Murdoch and she went on to write a book called the heroine's journey, hmm. which I don't know anything about, but I just didn't want to like, good for her. I didn't, I didn't want to erase her from our discussion of yeah. <laughs> this question. Dope. Yeah. Hey. So, I, I think some jerk off is actually the correct answer to this question, Tom. The hero's jerk off, if you will. <laughs> All of the jerk offs above. <laughs> well, it's the archetypal jerk off, you That's know. That's right. Yes. It's from the seven basic plots is jerk off and return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hero's jerk off. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me because I'm a hero. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the information for this question comes from a book called Lone Fur, The Cemetery, A Guide in History by, uh, Johan Matheson. 
and from the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And from someone else who I forgot to write it down. Um, this is about the cemetery plot of James Frush. There is a beautifully carved marble bowl there marking his grave. Um, it is cemented down. It didn't used to be. <laughs> okay. why, why was it cemented down, finally? People kept running around with it. Okay. Brendan? I'm going to say that Portland Goths developed a ritual of drinking something blood-like out of it, like, you know, or, or gin. I like it. I like it. Kristen? Um, I, I'm, my answer is also teens, but I'm going to go specifically with just vandalism. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it was not vandalism. It was respectful. Gin, I think, would not be good to involve, but you're very close. Oh. Uh, and they probably ran around, so partial credit. Okay. Uh, James Frush was a, a saloon keeper at the First Street Saloon, and, uh, oh. the bowl, uh, was what he would serve free drinks from. Uh, on the holidays. You see, there was a carved picture of Bacchus on the front, and you could pour out of the mouth of What? Bacchus. So, uh, evidently, after he died in 1883, his friends would, uh, periodically around the holiday season, take the bowl and mix Tom and Jerry's in them for the <laughs> holiday season, which is, I guess, hot eggnog. Oh. So don't, totally don't put gin in it. It would be gross. Put in my tombstone. I know, right? <laughs> Just connect it with like a cord. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Nice good steel cable. To, for for is, our listeners who may be far flung, Lone Fir Cemetery is actually in Portland. I've been through it. Yes, that um, is that is the 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 my local contribution. To yeah, the I used to I used to live about two blocks away from it. I've never seen the bowl. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna look for the bowl. And there's also a, a a Scrabble board. Yes, which I have not seen. And there's some like laser etched. Very realistic portraits of people mm-hmm. from Plenty more recent years. Oh, there's Plenty some wild recent ones from the laser-etched years, yeah. including, I believe, a NASCAR-related one. Uh, yeah. It seems like such an old cemetery. Like, it's basically full. It is so... It is the oldest cemetery in Portland, and they just stopped burying the people there a few wow. years ago. okay. Yeah. You know, I also couldn't come up with a question for it, but it uh, it used to have one tree, but you're allowed to plant memorial trees there, so it now has over 70 species of trees in it. That's why there are more than lone firs. Yeah, there lone used fir. to be a fir. <laughs> yeah, it did start out as just one. <laughs> nice one. Uh, okay, so uh, on the Internet Movie Database, or IMDb, are you? As it is known. Brendan, we talked earlier. <laughs> about dad jokes and child jokes. See, my joke was that those are also two letters. <laughs> so, they have a thing on IMDb known as the plot keyword, which is just taking kind of the plot summary of a movie, which is already quite short in most cases, and just boiling it down to a few of the highlights. Um a few years ago, a, a game designer named Rob Donahue uh, extracted over 32,000 plot keywords from across IMDb. Oh, nice. And a script was written that picks five of them at a time at random. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you, and you can select your, uh, we'll do this once for each of you, and you can select your difficulty. Low difficulty is two, medium is three, high difficulty is four, uh, impossible is all five. And we'll just give you a score based on, you know, it's more points if you go more difficult, but 
you know, if you blow it, then it's no good. And I'm so we're, I'm going to read you that many randomly drawn IMDb plot keywords, and you're going to pitch me a movie in 100 words or less. Oh, God. And just pretend that I'm like a producer who, you know, wants to make some money. So do we feel ready for this? Never. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been more ready. <laughs> All right. Tom, do, how many keywords do you want? Oh, my God. Um... Just, just, just do it. Give me five. Give me five of them. I want them all. Okay. American history. Evaporation. Feigned death. Fallen woman. Singular. Sorry. Fallen woman. And secret history. Okay. All right. Get this. All right. It's the second American Revolution, the secret one. Oh, all right. And uh, they're in a desert. Uh-huh. And all their water is, is uh-huh. it's low. They're low on water. Okay. And so uh, uh, Betsy Ross's great-granddaughter, <laughs> she, uh, she collapses. Uh-huh. And then she dreams about the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was like 45 words. It's very impressive. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. And there's a there, there's a request that she needs to bring that thing back. And then and then she comes back to her body and she leads uh the army to moisture. Yeah. With that thing that she got from her dream. <laughs> that fifth that thing that she needed. That's the the fifth thing was fallen woman, and we can kind of presume. No, that. that's what yeah, she, she fell she down. Collapsed. She fell down. Oh, she fell. Yeah, no, you got all five. Yes. Yeah. You were going for the secret sixth bonus round. That's right. <laughs> what was the next one to come up? See if you got it by accident. Oh, uh, um, the next one on this list is kegger. Totally. They definitely throw kegger. Toward yes. moisture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kegger. All right. It's the, the er plot. That's the, the eighth basic plot. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy Ross leads army toward kegger. <laughs> Does anyone else want to try this? <laughs> I can't follow that. I, well, but I, I could not follow it in that. I did not, I did not understand. I'll, I'll go, but I think I only want three keywords. Three keywords. Okay. I don't think I can hold more than that in my head. Okay. Millionaire posing as waiter. That's that's one keyword. That's apparently. One keyword. Wow. <laughs> How many times does that come up? That is one of the seven basic plots, if I remember yeah, correctly. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> boomerang. And black humor. So, millionaire is posing as a waiter uh, because he has a crush on a woman who comes into uh, a restaurant all the time um, that that he's used to be a regular customer at. And uh, one day he is in the park near the restaurant uh, getting ready for work and he's playing with a boomerang and he... The boomerang hits her in the head and kills her. Oh. It's a a comedy. (laughs) It is. It is. No. No, it goes weekend at Bernie's. He not only has to make it look like she's not dead, but make it look like they're going to get married. Right. Right. (laughs) I would not see that movie. No, but it would get produced. (laughs) Yes. Points. I was like 75, excuse me, 75 words. It's quite good. 
You have to now. Give me six. All right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. We're going All to right. make millions of dollars. Here they come. Man crushed by car. Softball. Elephant gun. This is already going in a direction. Uh, mineral. We're prepared for this. Uh, mineral? Mineral is a plot yes, keyword? it's a plot keyword. Searching for the truth. Red River Rebellion. Oh, this is just the plot of Fast and Furious 12. <laughs> <laughs> they discovered crystallized NOS. <laughs> right. In the Red River, right. they've got a round of commandos and uh, fight the elephant army that has been engaged by their arch rival, uh, played by Kate Blanchett. Um, I don't even remember where the rest were. There's a lot of crushing by cars. <laughs> yeah, somebody gets crushed by a car. Has that happened in the Fast and Furious franchise? Many yet? times. Wow. Were they ever pitching at the time? <laughs> Underhand. There's a soccer game. Where the uh, the Rock's daughters do a haka, that really happens in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> I've yet to see any of them. Um, I feel now obligated to do one myself. Yeah, you want okay. me to give you some? I'm going to do four. All right. Here it comes. Okay, Chatterbox, Open Air Cinema, Girls Institution, and Shipbuilding. So plainly, the 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 story is about the the plucky orphan girls in the um, in the decrepit old building in in the inner city. Oh yeah, and there's uh, one of them who just can't shut up and is talking all the time, and accidentally volunteers the girls of this institution when like some city alderman is visiting or something, accidentally volunteers them to enter a, a shipbuilding competition. Yes. Yes. And the visa gets denied. And they're, and they're, uh, and so the, there's a montage, of course, where they where they uh, fix up the old decrepit uh, shipyard, and uh, and they build a ship, and it's an old style wooden ship, and they kind of don't get all the way finished to a ship, and for a second it looks real, real bad, but then they convert it into a an open air uh, movie event, Aww. and everybody enjoys themselves. That's delightful. Man. I would watch that movie. Which is to say it wouldn't get made. <laughs> yes. So I'm sorry, Mike. Yes. Okay. That is that is my favorite Goonies reboot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They make their own pirate ship. That's right. That's that's probably in production now. Huh. I'm gonna yeah. go see it. Just that part though. Not the rest of my bullshit. <laughs> uh Brandon, do you have a question? I sure do. Uh we're gonna t- we're gonna pivot. To a different kind of plot, specifically the gunpowder treason end. Mm. Mm. Uh, so the exact events of the gunpowder treason and plot have never been totally nailed down. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about it. And the official accounts, uh, this being, you know, 500 years ago, are not awesome. Uh, but, excuse me, 400 years ago. Uh, possibly 300 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Do it's I hear been, 200? Just, oh, wow. Yeah. I remember the day. Right, right. <laughs> not the year. They should have put that in the rhyme. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. It's broadly held as true that Guy Fox and some other people wanted to blow up Parliament for whatever reason. Um, how did they actually get access 
to the place where they were putting their gunpowder underneath the houses. Hmm. Anybody have an answer? They disguised themselves as sewer workers on their way to a conference. Mm. Well, they all wore masks. Like, they all wore the... Sorry. They sure did, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) It's ironic, in fact. (laughs) They were like, if we all look like Guy Fawkes... No one will know. Yeah, that was just his regular face. That, yeah. yeah, that was that was how that started. They can only arrest one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you got a guess? Um, they they disguised themselves as farmers on their way to a dance. Tom was the closest. Okay. Uh, the real answer is that they rented the house next door, which had its basement underneath the House of Lords. Woo! Woo! That's a security weird, oversight. That's <gasps> a weird place to put a basement. Right. I think probably they like had another house there, but this person already had both basements, and then they when they built the House of Lords, they were just like, oh, wow. we're just taking over the top. We don't need a basement; it's Parliament. I, now I want a basement that is like under my neighbors. What a baller move that would be! Yeah, <laughs> you could get you could hear them walking yeah. all the time, all the time. Be a great place to record podcasts. If I ever buy a house, I'll sell you my basement. All right, awesome. <laughs> I just want secret tunnels. Yeah, that's all I want. Yeah. Same. Okay. Cool. Uh, I guess I have a question. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, so, which of the following is not a burial section at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California? A. Babyland. B. Graceland. C. Whispering Pines. D. The Happier Hunting Ground. I really hope it's not Babyland. They absolutely have a baby land. Oh. Uh, I suspect that I've heard Whispering Pines someplace else, and maybe, in fact, it's a competing um, uh, cemetery. Or possibly a, a subdivision, like a, hmm. a suburban development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. I think Happier Hunting Ground is not for people. <laughs> so I don't think that that's Forest Lawn. Uh, Tom is correct. Oh. Uh, um. Babyland is a burial section for babies. No. Uh, there's also a section called Slumberland, which is for children and teenagers. Um, I don't know who's buried in Graceland, but it is a real burial section at Forest Lawn. Other sections are Inspiration People named Slope. Grace? There you go. Right. Uh, Vesperland and Dawn of Tomorrow. The, the worst theme park. And, the, and Borderland <laughs> is called that because it's the at the edge of the cemetery. Uh, the Happier Hunting Ground is the name of the pet cemetery in Evelyn Waugh's The Loved One, which is kind of a satire nice. of the uh, funeral industry. Um, hmm. Yeah. Also, there Forest Lawn is a chain. There are like six of them. Wow. The Glendale one is the first and most famous, but there are several. The similarities with Disneyland are growing right? by the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I, I am from Southern California. Graceland is where they bury all Elvises, okay. any Elvis. Uh, and Dawn of Tomorrow is where they bury people who are not yet dead. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. All right. Would you like to ask me if I have a question, Mike? No. Damn. Go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> I do have a question. All right, good. Uh, this question concerns a remarkable plot of land. So in Athens, Georgia, there is a plot of land. It is circular with an eight-foot radius. 
At the center is a tree. The plot of land and the tree have a remarkable feature in common. What is that feature? They're perfectly round. That's a good answer. They levitate. That's an awesome answer, Kristen. They're both carbon-based. <laughs> that is true, but not remarkable. <laughs> We're remarking upon it right now. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> the remarkable feature that I was thinking of is that both the tree and the plot of land are owned by the tree. This is the tree that what? owns itself. So, according to local legend, and also the Athens this Clark... This like a children's book. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. According to local legend, and the Athens Clark County government, and probably not common law, the tree <laughs> owns itself and the land surrounding it. It was supposedly deeded ownership around 1820, uh, and uh, the original tree, actually, that was deeded ownership to itself and the land around it, uh, it fell uh, in <laughs> 1947 from... Uh, from damage from an ice storm. However, there is a seedling that had been cultivated from one of uh, the original tree's acorns, so it was planted in its place, and locals consider it the legal heir. <laughs> and sometimes they call it the son of the tree that owns itself. Can you remind me exactly where this is? This is in Athens, Georgia. Georgians are idiots. Mm. Mm. Brendan, are you spreading hatred and bigotry on my program? <laughs> a little. <laughs> No gardeners, no masters. I love it. I know, uh, right? Yeah. And Does I, anybody mow the like the land around? Are yeah, there other a, trees that? There's could... a you know there's a neighborhood society that takes uh, <laughs> that keeps it up. And is the tree part of the homeowners association? Yeah. What's that? Is the tree part of a homeowners association? I think it should be. You're saying it has vassals. <laughs> it has vassals. Correct. This is the keeping tree. It's... <laughs> <laughs> give you shit <laughs> and the tree was paranoid and bitter and watched fox news all day oh, no. uh, all right so um <clears throat> magic the gathering is coming up on its 25th anniversary next year this is not a question about magic the gathering it's a question about one of the games that followed quickly in the wake of magic which i actually played first um and got deep into never got into magic but that's another story um a game called Illuminati New World Order. Oh, yes. <laughs> a classic satirical game about secret societies, global conspiracies, and how they potentially control just everything, thereby allowing uh, the game to make fun of whatever it wants. One of my CCG? favorite... Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite games that no one would ever play with me. Oh, I'll play it with you anytime. Nice. Except that you're moving to fucking Chicago. Well... Um, so there were two types of... They did a CCG version. It was based on an earlier non-collectible yeah, game. Steve Jackson. Yeah, and they did a CCG version. Steve Jackson did it uh -huh. because he was offered Magic the Gathering and turned it down. Oh, no. Uh, Steve. So he did uh, Illuminati New World Order as a collectible game, and it has two kinds of cards in it for the most part, plots and groups. Plots being actions that any global conspiracy can take, and they probably take it upon groups or other conspiracies. So these, these cards, of course, all had names because that's how it works. Um, I'm going to challenge each of you, uh, I'm going to give you a putative, uh, title, and you're going to tell me whether it is the name of an Illuminati plot card or a Berenstein Bears book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, we'll start with you. Dinosaur Dig. Illuminati plot 
or Berenstein Bears title? Plot. Incorrect. Berenstein Bears title. Uh. Kristen, let's get organized. Berenstein Bears book. No, Illuminati plot. Damn. Tom. Let... I, but I have like a memory of having read it. <laughs> I, I didn't double check this one, but I will. Right. It was on I'm... the day of the Tiananmen. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tom. I followed that joke. <laughs> yes. I only got in one. <laughs> uh, Tom, let's get really organized. That is absolutely an Illuminati plot. Yes, it is. Sorry. Um, big Machines. Bernstein Bear. Correct. Yeah. Uh, get in a fight. Bernstein Bears. I'm pretty sure I have read that one. Yes. The Bernstein <laughs> Bears get in a fight. Yeah. Uh, lend a helping hand. Ooh. Oh, damn. This is a really good question. Um, <laughs> that one really seems like it could be both. Yeah. Uh, I think it's bears. It's bears. Oh, oh, man. Brendan, go back to school. Like now? <laughs> <laughs> I just got out of debt, Mike. <laughs> uh, plot. No, Berenstein Bears. <sighs> Kristen, computer security. <laughs> Illuminati. Illuminati plot, yes. Uh, Tom, flower power. That is a plot. That is a plot. Uh, Brendan, botched contact. <laughs> it's definitely the bears. <laughs> at the height of the Cold War, shit got real. <laughs> I did, in fact, put this one in just because I want to imagine the Berenstein Bears book. <laughs> Why can't I suddenly not think of any techno thriller author's names? Tom Clancy. Yeah. Bear. Yeah. Tom Clancy takes over the Berenstein Bears when Stan <laughs> and Jan pass away. I want that. Tom Clancy died before they did. Um, by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Jan Berenstein held on for a while. Their son owns it now. Speaking of which, speaking of conspiracy theories, you guys all know it's not Berenstein, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm always going to pronounce it that way, but yeah. Yeah. And an uncomfortable silence fills the room again. We're all trying to work out which universe universe we're in. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we all agree on that, right? (laughs) Brendan, do you have a question? I've got a lightning round. Ooh. So the the last question I forgot to mention, uh, the one about the gunpowder treason and plot came from a single line in the book uh, God's Secret Agents by Alice Hogg, which is about the Jesuit support or lack of thereof of the uh, conspiracy. But this question comes from a book called Grave Matters by E.R. Shushan, which purports to be a collection of real inscriptions, real epitaphs on actual gravestones collected from apparently England and uh, the U.S. Uh, it says around the world, but like mostly it's England and New England. Um, so these are uh, tombstone inscriptions from the 1770s. Uh, from these two different places, I want you to give me a true or false that I'm telling you this is a real thing that was inscribed on a gravestone from the 1770s. Okay. Mike, uh, this is on the tomb of a woman named Anna Wallace in England. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord, he sent them manna. Old clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him Anna. Uh, Yeah. That's correct. All right. Yeah, 1772. Tom. This is uh, Arabella Young from Vermont. 
Here lies returned to clay Miss Arabella Young, who on the 1st of May, 1771, began to hold her tongue. Uh, false. No, it was oh. actually, that's a real one. Somebody <laughs> decided to set down an everlasting burn on Arabella. Uh, Kristen, Thomas Corbishley, uh, this is in England, died tragically rescuing his family from the wreckage of a destroyed sinking battleship. Sure. Oh, I'm afraid that is the epitaph of uh, Royal Tenenbaum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, this is purportedly Mary Buell, B-U-E-L, from Connecticut. Died November 4th, 1778, aged 90, having had 13 children, 101 grandchildren, 274 great-grandchildren, 49 great-great-grandchildren, 410 total, 336 survived her. Yeah, I can get behind that. That's correct. All right. That's true. Tom, this I mean, one... I can't get behind it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are a lot of them. You could yeah. probably hide somewhere. Sure. Uh I didn't mean for this to land on you, but this is the epitaph of Thomas Paine, uh, 1779. Also my wrestling name. (laughs) His entire epitaph reads, he lived long, done some good, and much harm. (laughs) Uh, I demand it to be true. It is actually his epitaph, but he lived until 1809. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Kristen, John Heil of Ireland, 1778. Here lie the remains of John Hall, grocer. The world is not worth a fig, and I have good raisins for saying so. I'm going to say that's false. That's true. Oh. The other ones are so much clever. (laughs) You know what I mean. You can fix that in post. (laughs) Make me sound like I could say sentences. That's all I got. (laughs) Lovely. Kristen. I've got one more. All right. Uh, Which of the following concepts did not make the list of top 10 most popular conspiracy theories published earlier this year by the website BigThink.com? A, 9-11 was an inside job. B, lizard people are running the world. C, the moon landing is fake. D, Pizzagate. Mm. Wait, one of those is not on the top 15? Is top that... 10. Top 10? Huh. I'm going to say Pizzagate is not in the top 10. It's like 12 with a bullet. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. Okay. It's making a face. Yeah. Uh, Should we share with our listeners the dad jokes and child jokes situation? <laughs> I think they've already got it. All right. They're smarter than we are. Uh, True. <laughs> I'm going to say the one about Walt Disney's head. Did not make it in there. Um, you're right. That one's not in there. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was also not one of the choices. It was not on my list, but fine. I yeah. answered correctly. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to join Mike. It's it as as not notable. Like the readers, the readers of BigThink.com, they think about posterity and they don't think it's going <laughs> to. They think big. Yeah, they think they think big. That's what they have to do. And they think dot net. They yes. And so they, they're like, no, no, this is not going down in the annals of history. Uh, you're correct. Pizzagate is not the, not on the list. Hey. Uh, lots of other 
lots of other big hits are, um, including uh, the enduring popularity of Barack Obama's not a U.S. citizen and um, JFK. It Did- just that's literally what the list says. It's just <laughs> <a> JFK. JFK. <laughs> also, chemtrails. <laughs> Did, did Benghazi trails. make the list? What's that? Did Benghazi make the list? Benghazi did not make the list. Ah. I I also have no idea like what the criteria were. I don't think it was the results of a survey. I think it was <laughs> okay. just this guy the making pool. a list. Right. Okay. As as one does. But yeah. Nice. Tom, do you have a question? Um sure. Um describe in ten words or fewer the plot of the Berenstein Bears and uh, the Everlasting Burn. <laughs> this could result in injury. <clears throat> mm. I'm going to recuse myself because despite having done Berenstein Bears research about an hour ago, I don't know the names of any of the characters. Oh, their names are pretty straightforward. It's Mama, Papa, Brother, and Sister. Brother and Sister are really? their names? Those are the names of the children. That's what they named their kids, which must have been confusing. Uh, so the plot is that um, toward the end of uh, time, Jan Berenstein got became a very serious fundamentalist, and the brother and sister were made to pay for their wickedness eternally mm-hmm. in hell. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a lot of kind of social tension between uh, brother and sister um following their transfer to a new a new school and after living in the woods for a really long time and um brother uh gets really upset with sister over something and he puts together something called the burn book and (laughs) uh it includes um lots of things that he has actually written about the other bears at school but also some things that uh are about him and that he uh, he really makes it look as though sister is the one who has written those things. Oh my God! It's um, a conspiracy theory to to turn to turn everybody at the school against her. Um, and so Tina Fey has to gather everybody <laughs> in a cafeteria for the entire last act of the book for some reason. Um, and that you know things kind of get really over the top and fall apart. But in the end, there's something about you know you should be nice to each other. The Regina George false flag hypothesis really should have made the top 10 theory list. Right? The big think was serious. This book is 748 pages long. So uh, Wait, I have mine, though. I have mine. Okay. Okay. 10 words or less? Sure. Yeah, okay. We both did that. Yes. In the, <laughs> yeah. I can get close, though. In the Steen universe, brother is born first, <laughs> then they have another boy, whom they name Adopted. <laughs> <laughs> all of your plots are correct for terrifying physics reasons <laughs> i have one more question to bring it back around to the seven basic plots by christopher booker um comedy as we learned earlier is one of the plots uh the book uh from what i was able to find i sure as hell did not read the entire comedy chapter um but from what i was able to find uh, there are several things that have been asserted over time about what makes something the comedy. And uh, they've changed over time also. So there are two ways to get a point here. Uh, you can identify the one of these four uh, that was present in the very first comedies of Aristophanes. 
Or you can name the one that is not, in fact, present in what I read. So, there are two correct answers. I'll let you know. <clears throat> so, among the assertions about what are, like, the tenets of the comedy plot here are... Uh, the characters are in some way unaware of each other's true identity. Mm -hmm. B, a man and woman must seek marriage and then not be able to get it and then be able to get it. Uh, some character must change their social status. Or uh, recognition, meaning according to Aristotle, the change from ignorance to knowledge uh, must take place in a central character who starts the play as a dark, life-denying, uh, has some habit that is dark and grim, grim dark. Of those, A, C, and D are all things that happen in tragedies, too, in my understanding of Greek tragedy. So it's interesting. Maybe, like, the, the recognition comes to a character who was formerly not so dark and gets darker, but, uh... Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say B. It's the wedding thing. Okay. Fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> which of those is not in Aristophanes? No, see, which of those is see, which of those is in Aristophanes, or which of those is not in the small amount of uh, Christopher Booker's book that I read? <laughs> okay. Uh, I think uh, I think the the mistaken identity one you mentioned mm -hmm. is in Aristophanes because they like wore masks so you just switch masks it's really easy to follow okay uh it was not present in in the plays of aristophanes in general it was kind of in the second wave in the century after aristophanes that these other three things got discovered and popularized um the one that isn't really put forward as a defining thing in the book is somebody changing social status yeah. That's just often hidden in like an identity thing or a marriage thing or, yeah. or something else. Uh, and yeah, the whole thing of, of a, of char a character or characters who have some sort of life denying habit that has to be broken. And then the play can end in a big celebration is present in uh, Lysistrata. The thing about all the, all the men love to fight wars, fight wars, fight wars, and all the, all their wives withhold sex, withhold sex, withhold sex. Um, so you're telling me Lysistrata is a comedy. <laughs> Uh, originally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The Wasps, another of Aristophanes' plays, yeah. is, a, is about a guy who just likes to judge everybody. Uh -huh. And he judges everybody guilty <laughs> until he is fooled into judging somebody innocent. Until he's right. <laughs> yes. And everyone's burns forever. Uh, it sounds like you've got some gritty reboots you want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a weird book, and there are more than seven basic plots. Yeah. They're at least 36, as but, we know from opposition research. But, you know, book, Booker's got a book. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have, as I was saying earlier tonight, I have declared myself a dad. I, I have no interest in, in having children or raising them or loving them. I'm just in it for the jokes. So. The dark dad, if you will. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure you can do that, but <laughs> the dark life denying dad, yeah, who has to be fooled into getting somebody pregnant. <laughs> yeah, careful about the comedic turn on that one. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Think Again, my friend. Thank you, Tom, for being here. Thank you. I'll All always. I'll always be here, here in, in your hearts. Okay. And also maybe Skype. Also in, in your Skype. <laughs> that is our hearts. <laughs> nice. 
That's where I keep mine now. Yeah. Our distributed hearts. Yes. Uh, the show is produced by Kristen McCurdy and myself. Our research supervisor is Brandon Adkins. <laughs> oh, uh, Kristen. Uh, Kristen is, of course, also our, our official judge now. You can just yeah. judge us all guilty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until one of you tricks me into judging you innocent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that the score for this episode? Guilty, yeah. guilty, and guilty. That's our score. We're all, guilty. all going to jail. Yeah. Oh, thank you for listening to Think Again, my friend, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget, listeners, this is Banned Podcast Week, as supported by the American Library Association. We're back on iTunes. So- We've been banned before. Right. Anything that has been banned or still challenged counts. Still, still counts. Even so. if you get the band back together. Hey. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, no, Brandon is, is formerly the, the nine-year-old child who's well, like, whose jokes are sometimes precocious. This is getting real weird. <laughs> but he's got, through, he's got through a transformation of his identity and social status. Don't talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Our theme contains elements from the album Waves of Energy by Synthetic Synergy. Our show is copyright 2017. All rights reserved. <laughs>